Episode 71, The Industrial Revolution. Hi, my name is Clayton Mills. Welcome to A Short Walk Through Our Long History, a podcast where we look at the events of history and examine how those events shaped our modern world. Okay, we're coming to the end of an era and the beginning of a new one. But it's not a clear transition like some of these aren't. The Middle Ages basically ended with the beginning of the Enlightenment, but those two periods did, of course, overlap. The new era we're moving into is known as the Industrial Age, and that's going to last until our current era, which is the Digital Age, which is also known as the Age of Idiots on Instagram. But throughout the Industrial Age, Enlightenment values and ideas continued to dominate the worldview of most Western societies. So those two things overlap, and the Enlightenment values carry over into the Industrial Age. Enlightenment ideas and ideals continue to dominate the worldview of the West during the Industrial Era, as many people felt that they were trying to create this Enlightenment idea of a human utopia. And they also felt that science and technology and advances in medicine and industry would end human suffering. But as industry began to grow uncontrolled, it created even more human suffering, maybe worse than they had ever seen before, as the poor toiled in horrible factories and struggled to survive in squalid parts of huge cities. Eventually, the dreams of utopia are going to come crashing down catastrophically in the ultimate culmination of the industrial age, in the catastrophic industrial destruction that's caused by World War I and World War II. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. Before the time of the American Revolution, nearly everything that anyone ate, wore, or used in their everyday life was made by hand. To make something like a table, A craftsman would take wood cut from a tree by hand, and he'd cut the legs, the frame, and the top of the table by himself with a handheld saw. Then he would join the pieces together and sand and finish the table by hand. It could take one craftsman several days to make a decent table. Cloth was woven in a similar way, on simple, hand-driven looms, and then clothes were made by hand, from that cloth. Metal things like swords and parts for guns were made by hand by blacksmiths. Even simple things like nails and screws were made by hand. Plants and food were harvested by hand. Food was prepared, cooked, and stored by hand. Because of this, many things were actually scarce or expensive, or they took a long time to make, or you just couldn't find them in your area. It's kind of weird nowadays to try to conceive of a world where everything was made by hand without power tools or things that are made in a factory. But back in those days, everything you used was made by hand. Your house was made by hand. The tools that were used to make your house, those were made by hand. Your table, your cooking utensils, the pots and pans you cooked in, the gun you used to keep the tyrants out of your house, the clothes you wore, the food you ate, everything was made by hand. Nowadays, almost nothing is made by hand. It's all made in factories. 
Now, I made a few handmade benches a while back, but the wood I cut for those benches was bought in pre-cut planks that were cut and sanded in some factory somewhere before they were shipped in bulk to the local hardware store. Back in the day, I would have had to cut down the tree myself, and then using hand tools, I would have had to cut the tree into planks that I would have used for the bench. It's just a different world. The Industrial Revolution changed how you made things dramatically. Within 150 years, it had transformed nearly every aspect of society, economy, and politics in the countries that became industrialized. And I should point out here that it didn't happen at the same time everywhere. Industrialization took hold faster in Great Britain and Western Europe, and also in the northern U.S. than it did in other places like Africa, Asia, South America, or the American South. Those places remained largely agrarian for a long time, though they did begin to import the goods from the industrialized areas, and they did eventually really become part of the industrialized world. If you have to put a date to the industrial age, you could say it started around the beginning of the 1800s. By the mid-1800s, it was in full swing, at least in Europe and America. But its earliest beginnings were really back in the mid-1750s in England, where a few inventors came up with ways to produce cloth using spinning wheels and looms that were powered by falling water using waterfalls, and then later by steam. Now soon, this steam power was applied to things like mining coal and producing iron ore and later to producing steel. And for a while, Great Britain kept this capability to itself. But the knowledge and the technology began to spread to Western Europe and to the Americas. And soon there were coal-fired steam engines powering factories in all of these places. Basically, what steam power did was allow people to build large machines that could do things like repeatedly stamping out metal parts. Imagine the difference between having to make a musket ball by hand compared to making musket balls in a factory where a huge steam-driven machine could crank out thousands of musket balls in an hour. Or nails or pieces of pipe. Ironworking and fabric making were two of the first industries that were revolutionized or industrialized but the concept soon spread to all sorts of other industries and processes. And one of the biggest changes came in the area of transportation. Steam engines powered by coal were fitted to ships, and this changed shipping overnight. At first, steam engines were just fitted to old sailing ships, so those ships would still sail by wind when there was a breeze, but they could keep moving under steam when the breeze died. But what it really changed was that now ships could much more easily sail upriver. Downriver sailing had always been easy enough. You just float with the current. But to sail upriver against the current, you either had to have a lucky tail breeze, which you couldn't count on, or you had to have things like mules or oxen on shore to tow your boat upstream. Now, with steamships, they could go upriver whenever they wanted to, much more reliably and faster. Soon, ships were being built entirely without sails, and they could steam easily almost anywhere. It took a little while before steamships were crossing the ocean because of the distance, but as the iron industry expanded, ships were soon being made of iron instead of wood, which meant they could be bigger. 
and these bigger ships could carry enough coal to make a full Atlantic crossing. They were faster, and they could take a more direct route since they weren't dependent on the wind. Previously, a transatlantic crossing, say from Boston to England, could have taken more than a month. In fact, it took the pilgrims three months at sea to cross from England to Plymouth Rock. But with steamships, it could be done in only a couple of weeks. Now, this changed the dynamics of international commerce dramatically. Goods that were hard to get or expensive to ship now became more available and less costly. It was now feasible to ship something like, say, bananas from Honduras to Boston because they could get to Boston before they spoiled. It also changed international communication because messages could now get across the sea much more quickly. Now, later in the Industrial Revolution, we'll see radio and telegraph, which also revolutionized communication. Of course, towards the end of the Industrial Revolution, we'll also see the invention of television, which had the opposite effect. Instead of revolutionizing communication, it dumbed it down and was the beginning of the end of anyone actually thinking for themselves. Karl Marx, who was something of a commenter on the Industrial Revolution, was wrong when he said that religion is the opiate of the masses. He was wrong because he hadn't seen television. That's the real opiate of the masses. Anyway, steam-powered ships changed the way that the world did business, the way the world traveled, and the way the world communicated. It was a transformative technology. And on land, the invention of the steam locomotive had the same kind of transformative effect on land travel. To travel from Boston to Philadelphia by horse-drawn carriage or just on a horse used to take between 10 and 14 days. Once a railway line was put in place between Boston and Philadelphia, it could be done in one or two days and in much greater comfort than on horseback. That's an amazing difference in time and effort. It was also now quicker to ship goods from Boston to Philadelphia or anywhere else in the United States that there was a railway line. Again, things that were expensive or hard to ship became more available and less costly. Railways changed the landscape of countries too, as cities cropped up all along the railway lines and places where the railways stopped grew much faster than places out in the countryside. Bigger cities even created railway lines that connected the small towns outside the city to the main city, creating the beginnings of the huge metropolitan areas like New York, Boston, and Washington, and in Europe, the growing megacities of London and Paris. The growth of steamships and locomotives drove a huge increase in the demand for coal, and coal mining also began to use steam engines for excavation, and then the freight trains that were also driven by coal to move the huge cargoes of coal. And all of this required steel for the railways and the locomotives and the steamships. All of these industries kind of fed on each other's growth, and they grew up together. All of this changed a major factor in human wealth in a way that doesn't really get enough attention. Prior to the Industrial Revolution, the real way to wealth was to own a lot of land. But now, the way to be really wealthy was to own a huge business, like a railroad company or a steelmaking company or a steamship company. It was a fundamental shift in the way that wealth and power were accumulated. 
in Great Britain and the rest of Europe, it sort of created a bit of a balance of power between the landed lords, the feudal lords who had had the power and the money before, and now the industrialists. Or maybe a better way to say it is that it took power away from the hereditary lords as the industrialists got incredibly rich and had their own power and influence. In the United States, where there weren't hereditary lords, the Industrial Revolution created a new class of extremely wealthy industrialists who came to have enormous social and political influence. We're going to have to come back to these guys as they eventually become so powerful that the government has to take action to check their power. These guys became known as the robber barons. And this kind of wealth disparity, where the people at the top become ultra-wealthy at the expense of the very poor people who are basically indentured servants in their factories, this is going to be one of the major negative side effects of the Industrial Revolution. And it's going to lead to some worker-led revolutions, actual revolutions, in the 1900s. One of the negative side effects of all this industrialization was a huge increase in pollution, especially around big cities. Factories create a lot of smoke and a lot of unwanted chemicals, waste, and leftovers that were just basically dumped wherever it was convenient, usually in local rivers. Huge cities that grew up around factories also create an enormous amount of human waste, including sewage and trash, and it took a while before the big urban cities were able to catch up with the mess. Big, densely populated cities like New York, London, Chicago, Paris have always struggled with disposing of all the trash and sewage that they produce, and for a while they weren't keeping up. One of the reasons that people actually liked Napoleon and put up with him as a dictator was because he embarked on a massive program to rebuild the Paris sewers, and it made the city a lot cleaner. But pollution and all its health and environmental consequences was a major side effect of all this industrialization. Another negative side effect of the Industrial Revolution was a huge increase in the production of weapons. Factories were able to produce more than just musket balls. They could produce cannons and guns and swords and eventually battleships and tanks. As factories began to mass produce these things, of course, the price of these things dropped. So governments could now buy more guns and cannons and have better equipped armies. This led in turn to what we now call an arms race. For example, as Germany saw that France was creating thousands of new higher-tech cannons, of course, Germany now had to produce their own to protect themselves from France. But this in turn meant that France saw that Germany was improving its army and its cannons. So France had to also improve its army to stay ahead. And it wasn't just Germany and France, it was also the United Kingdom and Austria and Russia and Italy, the Ottoman Empire and even the United States, all rushing to have the newest and best weapons so that they wouldn't be outclassed by their neighbors. Now this, of course, in turn led to a lot of new weapon technology, such as more effective cannons and the shells that they fired. One of the big improvements, if you can use that word about weapons, was the invention of repeating weapons, like the revolver. Now, previous to the invention of the revolver and the mass production of the revolver, all guns and cannons were one-shot weapons. 
Basically, you fired it, then you had to stop, and you had to reload it by hand, which could take a minute or two before you could fire your second shot. Go watch a video about reloading a muzzle-loading rifle, and you'll see what I mean. It takes a little while. But with a revolver, you could load six or more bullets at a time, and soon this idea was applied to rifles and even cannons as well. One particularly deadly invention was the Gatling gun, which again, you should Google and look at a video of it. It was the first machine gun. All of these new weapons used bullets that were made in factories rather than the hand-loaded musket balls. Warfare was now faster and could be done at longer ranges, and it was much deadlier than it was before. And all of this technological advancement and arms racing is going to eventually lead us to World War I and World War II, which, as I said, is kind of the culmination of the Industrial Age. And it will also be the end of the Enlightenment. Well, I say the end of the Enlightenment, but what I really mean is that it's the end of the Enlightenment ideal of creating a human utopia. In terms of worldview, the Enlightenment sort of gives way to modernism, which is a kind of technologically driven worldview that incorporates some Enlightenment idealism about humanity, but it's even more about science and technology and driving towards this human utopia. But modernism will give way to postmodernism, which will give way to despair, and that's where we currently are in terms of Western worldview, at least at a societal level. While the American Revolution and the French Revolution were big deals in history, two of the biggest events in the last thousand years, in fact, the Industrial Revolution was an even bigger deal. It profoundly changed nearly everything about society, and it eventually affected the entire world. The Industrial Revolution brought about some positive changes, such as cheaper goods, more available goods, industrial farming, which meant a huge change in food production, it brought about the widespread use of electricity, improvements in all kinds of transportation and travel, improvements in sanitation, and advances in medicine. All of this also catalyzed a huge boom in population. The Industrial Revolution kicked off a worldwide explosion in human population that's still ongoing today, and all of these additional people also create more pollution and more huge cities and more demand on the planet's resources. But through the early part of the Industrial Revolution, this growth was accompanied by an ongoing increase in most people's standard of living. So for most people, life got better. But the Industrial Revolution also brought about some incredibly negative side effects as well. As I said, factories were dirty, dangerous, and generally an awful place to work, and they produced a ton of pollution. The workers were treated little better than slaves. The Industrial Revolution brought about an increase in these huge worker slums and poorly built mass housing. And like I said, there was also an enormous increase in pollution as well, both in terms of general trash that was being created and abandoned, but also because there was so much coal being burned and then eventually oil and gas, and most of it was just burned without any controls and just the refuse of it was let off into the atmosphere. And then, like I said, there was the arms race and the massive and incredibly bloody wars that it brought. The first really big industrial revolution war that was fought using some of these mass-produced weapons was the American Civil War, which we will get to eventually. It was fought with Middle Ages fighting strategy, but with industrial revolutionary weaponry. And that was one of the reasons it was so bloody and so awful. 
So the 1800s would have been an incredible time to be alive in a lot of ways. To have been born in 1800 and to live to say, let's say, 1880, 80 years, you would have seen some amazing changes in the world if you survived. But the changes were incredible. Think about it. Like you would have seen the creation of locomotives and steamships that hadn't existed before. But of course, some of that time period, like I said, was pretty awful. Honestly, if I could pick an 80-year time period to have been alive, I think I might pick 1750 to 1830. But 1800 to 1880 would be pretty cool too. Or 1900 to 1980. Wow, that's a pretty crazy time period too, but that does actually overlap my actual life, and I've seen that part already. Or what about 20 BC to 60 AD? Oh, that'd be a great 80 years. That would have been pretty amazing. I don't think I'd pick the year 2000 to the year 2080, but hey, who knows? It could turn out to be pretty awesome, or we could keep going in the direction of technological dystopian tyranny like we see depicted in the book 1984 or the book Fahrenheit 451. We seem to be moving in that general direction, and that movement was started by the Industrial Revolution. I don't know. All these time periods had their exciting moments and their miseries. I suppose that's true of any time period and any life. But our modern world and our current lives and our current worldviews were definitely shaped by the Industrial Revolution in ways that are both good and bad. Next episode, we'll go back to our historical timeline, back to the beginning of the 1800s, when we take a look at a small war with big side effects. The War of 1812.